Coming up next on The Voice of Alabama Politics, our special guest is Dr. Tammy McCurry, Associate Commissioner at the Department of Mental Health. Also, the V-Team takes a look at a crazy lawsuit. And will there be a special session? Not exactly the answer we were looking for. All this and much, much more coming up next on The V. politics, where we tackle the tough issues so you have the hard facts. I'm your host, Bill Britt, and today I'm joined by Susan Britt, research guru extraordinaire and my constant companion. Hello. And Josh Moon, investigative reporter and columnist at APR. Welcome. Thanks for having us. How's it going, guys? Going good, going good. Sunny day here in, outside of beautiful downtown Atala. Oh, yeah, I hear it's lovely this time of year. So this past week, Governor Ivey uh, had a virtual uh, call with the state legislature to see about the possibilities of holding a special session. Uh, we understand that the legislature uh, doesn't have a plan on how to meet safely, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I get the feeling that not having a plan is kind of their plan. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, so I think Governor Ivey asked something along the lines of, well, uh, you know, we want to get together for a special session. We got some things we need to, uh, you know, talk about. What's the plan for uh, meeting safely and allowing the public and the, you know, the, the press and all that in? They went, we don't exactly have one. <laughs> well, what are you going to do in February? <laughs> yeah, I, it, um, I, it, you know, we, we discussed it before, and, and we've talked about, you know, I talked about Arkansas and some other places around the South. Yeah. Uh, you know, their state legislatures have, have come up with, with actual plans for this. Uh, you know, they've installed plexiglass in places, put in, you know, protective screens and other things that uh, they'll, they'll make it safe for the media to come in and work. Imagine that, you know, they've actually yeah. thought about the media as well as, as their own people. Um, and, yeah, in Alabama, know, and, we're and, lucky to have a vet in the press room. Yeah, well, that's true, uh, and, and a lot of times you, you don't know about that, but um, uh, you don't know what they're venting in. But the, you know, for the people you know, that may be, uh, you know, that want to come, they've also set up some things, some barriers to allow them to be there. Uh, you know, and yeah. and so for them not, I mean, just look, call somebody. You know, <laughs> call a friend in Mississippi or or Georgia or Arkansas and say, hey, what are you guys doing? You know? Yeah, yeah. Well, there's some important things that need to be done. Uh, you know, we, we have economic incentive packages that are, mm -hmm. that are designed to lure businesses to Alabama and to get business to expand in Alabama. And, and one of those has already expired, Susan, the other one is set to expire in December. They need to get that done. They do need to get that done. There's some really important issues that have to be addressed that it's gonna, they're gonna have to go into a special session. I don't think there's any way around it. Well, I mean, two things that are vitally important to, to most folks is taxes. 
Everybody mm -hmm. cares about taxes. <clears throat> Under Alabama law, the payroll protection plan, which allowed businesses to borrow or to get grants for money to keep their mm -hmm. business afloat, pay people, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, under Alabama law, currently people would have to pay taxes on that. So even though you might get the money for free, you still have to pay taxes for it. State income <clears throat> tax, yes. State income tax. I, I believe those dollars are free from federal taxes. They are free they, from yeah. federal dollars. But they still have to pay state taxes. But it's like the $1,200 check that people got. Mm -hmm. You know, the personal check, mm -hmm. that too would be subject to state income tax, Josh. I, I don't think Republicans want to be known for raising taxes on folks. <laughs> well, know? no, you know, I don't, uh, surely they don't want to be the party that's, that's blocked it in the, at the federal level and then at the state level taxed you on what you, what little bit you did get uh, to, to stay alive yeah. and keep paying your bills. Uh, you know, because, I, you know, we're, we're approaching a pretty serious problem right now, uh, you know, and there are, yeah. and it's going to affect a lot of people. And I think that uh, everybody on both sides of the aisle ought to think real long and hard about what's coming. Uh, because you're about to enter a Christmas season that a lot of these businesses are relying heavily on. And you're about yeah. to do it uh, in the midst of possibly, you know, having to do another shutdown, at least in portions of this country. I mean, the Midwest and upper Midwest are on fire essentially right now with COVID. And I yeah. think a lot of those places are going to be shut down. And so you're, you're talking about a lot of businesses that are going to be missing a lot of money uh, there if you don't get something done. And in this state here uh, particularly, you know, if you're going to not get something done and then tax the people on the backside of this, that's a, that's a recipe for, uh, for long-term economic disaster. Yeah, it is. And while right now the state's in good shape, that doesn't mean anything because the whole way people are working now the economy is going to at least temporarily take some kind of major shift in the way that people are actually doing business, Susan. Right, because they found out that they can do, you know, they can work from home, they can do alternative things that are cost-saving measures. So you're gonna see some shift in not only, you know, commercial real estate, but mm -hmm. also in, you know, people that are employed in these shops that, since everybody's shopping online right now, a lot of these stores are gonna have reduced personnel yeah josh and aren't retail workers really and low-wage workers especially not not just retail work low-wage workers are being hit especially hard right now yeah they're, they're getting hit especially hard and it's and in this state uh where our economy is built uh, you know heavily on, on low-wage workers uh you know and and the you know service industry workers you know, were a major major portion of our economy pre-covid and, yes. and assumingly will be post-covid um, you know, we're going to have a, we're going to get hit hard as well. Uh, if, if we don't do something and that, you know, our people ought to be pushing really, really hard, especially at the federal level to get some sort of relief to these businesses out there, uh, that are going to have to, that, that have taken a hit and are laying off employees to keep those people on payroll for, a, for an yeah. extended period of time and to reduce those taxes that are going to be coming both to the businesses and to the people. And I don't think there's going to be any major relief until after the new year and perhaps February, uh, it could be up until February. And it, it is going to make for a uh, potentially dreadful Christmas for a lot of families. And it's certainly going to cause a lot of physical uh, and mental pain. Mm -hmm. The last thing that they are hoping to get accomplished at a special session is limited liability for companies due to COVID-19. It's not for bad actors, it is for you know, those <clears throat> who have acted in good faith, but there have been problems. And there's a lot of pros and cons to that. 
The trial lawyers right now are at the table, but Josh, they're not going to sit around on their hands for too long. No, and look, you know, that to me, you know, I understand there are special circumstances, but to me, it's a slap in the face to working people. You know, if that's what's that's what your focus is, instead of getting people, getting money or getting help to the people that really, really need it out there, that to me is a slap in the face to those folks. Well, like I said, it's the last thing on the agenda as far as I know. We're going to leave it right there. You're watching The V, the voice of Alabama politics. We'll be right back. for a drive later, maybe. Text some friends while I'm doing it. Scroll through social media. Kill the family four and a head on collision. Cool, man. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. If you've been working, you've already proven yourself in ways you may not even notice. Managing your time, communicating effectively, and working as part of a team are key skills that employers value. At alabamaworks.com, you can find out how to build on your experience to up your game and get the job you really want because it's out there. Start your new success story at alabamaworks.com. Sponsored by Alabama Works, the Alabama Broadcasters Association, and this station. Our special guest today is Dr. Tammy McCurry, Associate Commissioner of the Department of Mental Health. Welcome, Doctor. Thank you so much for the invitation. Great to see you. Good to see you as well. You know, this is a very interesting time for anyone, and especially those who have mental health needs, uh, along with the Governor Kay Ivey, your department, uh, along with Commissioner Bashir, is opening up three crisis centers, which sounds like a very, very important job right now. Can you tell us about these centers and, and what will be offered there? Yes, I sure can. Um, these we'll, We're opening three crisis diversion centers throughout the state of Alabama. One will be in the Huntsville area, one will be in right here in the capital city, and then one will be in Mobile. And um, I don't know if you guys know this, but approximately 2 million times each year, people who have serious mental illness are admitted to jails across the nation. And it's our hope that um, these diversion centers will help to divert some of those people who should be getting mental health treatment instead of them going to jail. Um, almost three quarters of those those are adults who have either alcohol and or drug use problems. And so 
one of the things that the crisis diversion centers will be doing is helping to lower those numbers, decrease the numbers of folks who are going to emergency rooms for these types of treatments, and hopefully to divert them from emergency rooms and jails so that we keep police officers back on the street doing what they need to do and um, these centers will be able to assist people with those immediate needs that they may have. So when a person comes to the center, what what can they expect uh, when, when they arrive? Okay, so for persons that enter the center that, and they stay 23 hours or less, they can envision like a living room type setting. And in this setting, they'll, it helps to give them care and comfort. Um, and during that time, they'll be, they'll get a physical assessment, they'll get a mental health assessment. Um, there'll be a treatment plan that will be developed for that person. Okay. Um, but then there are other people who may need to stay a little longer. Right. And so there is a more traditional type setting for them that they can get stabilized approximately a week or so, and then they'll be referred to um, a mental health center. Uh, one of the things that's important to know about these diversion centers is that the, we're, the, we are piloting these. So we are looking forward to um, looking at this information and being able to expand it later, but these are pilots to um, start the process. Right. I mean, Alabama, like a lot of states, cut back in times, lean times, on mental health. This expansion, to me, seems like it is, is not only the right thing to do, but it's the right time to do it. And when you talk about expanding it, how, how would you think that's gonna roll out over the next couple of years? Is that the sort of the idea? So one of the things we're looking to do is, is I hope to expand to uh, one additional center in the future. And again, these are pilot centers. So as we are assessing and assisting these centers, we're gonna be following up. We're gonna look at the successes of the centers um, so that we can plan for the future. Uh, but it's also important for people to know that these are not um, long-term hospital state facilities. Right. These right. are, you know, this is get in, get treated, get connected, and then get back into um, the, the community, back to, to a, a, a healthy way of life. You, you were talking about this earlier, and, and we, we've seen the problem over the years that people with mental health issues end up in the criminal justice system, which for most people with mental health issues, that's pretty much the last place we need to put them. Because, you know, no matter how good our facilities are, they are not specialized in taking care of, of people with, you know, mental, mental needs. So how, you know, will there be, there'll be doctors, there'll be nurses, there'll be counselors. I mean, is there a full range of staff that will be there for these folks that come in? Yes, there is a full range of staff. And I think for me, one of the um, really important and special pieces is that we'll be utilizing peers as well. And peers are folks who have lived experiences, whether in substance abuse, mental health issues, um, that will be there to, to be with that person, to assist them. Someone who actually has lived through what they're going right. through. 
And I think that is so important as we look to help that person to navigate through life and navigate through this, even this experience at the diversion centers. Um, another thing we do have is we're actually incorporating some rural crisis um, into this system. And in that rural crisis, we'll have like mobile crisis teams that will be a part of that, that'll kind of work in conjunction with the crisis diversion centers and also the co-response, which includes like law enforcement. So when there are times where you may have to go out into a home and there's a need to have law enforcement available to assist, then they'll be a part of that team. So, you know, we're really excited that we're just trying to expand our services and expand based on the need of the citizens of Alabama. I mean, this looks like a comprehensive a pilot plan that could, I think, Susan, mm -hmm. you know, be expanded around the state to address the population in need. Uh, one of the things we were talking about before we, we started our interview here, and we just got about a minute, is that what I call pandemic fatigue. People have been uh, distanced. They've, they've been without close personal touch in many cases. And and how to for people to cope with this sort of constant state of alert that we're dealing with. You know, and one of the things that we were talking about off camera was just that people are, they're tired. Um, you know, they're tired of wearing masks, they're tired of being inside, they're tired of all of these things, but these are the things that keep us safe. And right. so we have to really look at different ways of dealing with it. You know, like here we are doing a Zoom interview, perfect example. Yeah. You know, FaceTime is another perfect example. When we think about our elderly population, it's important for family members to reach out to those elderly family members to check on them. You know, start phone trees where where you call, put it on your calendar so that you can call and check on that person. Stop by and drop off a meal. You know, it's just different little things. You would be amazed at getting something as simple as a card in the mail, how it brightens somebody's day. But just, I'm just thinking of you, Paul, um, card it really could brighten someone's day. So I think that during this time, one of the things that happens is we get an opportunity to care more about others than ourselves, and we get an opportunity to express that. So um, I think especially during the season, as we're, we're going into the Thanksgiving time, that we ought to just think about ways we can be thankful for those folks in our lives that may be experiencing some fatigue dealing with all of the pandemic and all of the issues associated with that. Well, thank you. That's great advice. And thank you for joining us today to talk about the Crisis Diversion Center. We're so glad to have you. Thank you. Our special guest today has been Dr. Tammy McCurry with the Department of Mental Health. We'll be right back. You'll never guess what 400,000 people in the U.S. were using when they crashed their cars last year. No, not this. This. Distracted driving will kill you. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. A lot can change in five years. Except those smile lines you treated with Bellafill. Because that's about how long Bellafill will keep them smooth and filled. Five years. Now you can always look your best without all those injections, appointments, and costs. Bellafill is the only dermal filler that stimulates and maintains collagen growth long-term. Now time is on your side. 
are you doing today, babe? I thought I'd head down the lake with the guys, do a little fishing. Of course, none of us will be wearing our seat belts. I'll lose control of the truck, wrap it around a tree, and kill us all. Okay. Drive safe, Alabama. A message from your Alabama Department of Transportation. What's up, Alabama? It's Bo Jackson. Do I really need to say it? Welcome back to The V, the voice of Alabama politics. Susan, Josh, a story that we wrote about broke four years ago has finally come to a, an end. Uh, four years ago, we wrote about a story in which uh, Mary Scott Hunter, school board, uh, member of the state school board at the time, uh, engaged in some activities, questionable suspect activities, to, to uh, stop Dr. Craig Pouncey mm -hmm. from becoming the state superintendent of schools. He was in the lead spot, Josh, mm -hmm. but then all of a sudden, an anonymous package came to all the school board members claiming erroneously that he had violated the ethics laws. And it just got worse from there. It was like a Three Stooges caper gone awry. Oh yeah, it, it was the stupidest scheme I've ever been, I've ever seen. It was, it was the dumbest, most transparent thing that I have ever encountered. Uh, and, like, and I honestly, I can't believe that somebody, it's, it's really kind of a, a black eye to our uh, law enforcement here in, in this state that somebody didn't face charges, uh, criminal charges of some sort for this because they, they did uh, ruin this man's reputation uh, and harmed him from getting a job and sucked millions of dollars away from our public education system in doing this nonsense. Yeah, I mean, Susan, they... Uh that what they did is they, they took over this bogus complaint mm -hmm. to the ethics department, alleging that he had uh, you know, basically falsified his doctoral thesis and used personnel from the state mm -hmm. and computers to do it. None of it was true. The no. crazy thing is that uh, you know, the, the folks at the Department of Education took it over to the ethics commission and the ethics commission actually wrote it back and said, oh yeah, we've received this information. It which, was all done incorrectly to start yeah, with. Yeah. Mm -hmm. The reason yeah, it was transparent, John. Law after law after law after law to yeah. do this. I mean, it, it was it was so idiotic. You know, the the, the things that they violated, like they, they they never should have reported out that this thing was was, was uh, being investigated. They never should have right. accepted the the uh, the anonymous tip in the first place, and nobody right. should have ever taken it seriously. If you know, for Mary Scott Hunter to spread that around at a you know what one of the I'll tell you how dumb it was. I'll tell you how stupid this whole thing was. At at a BCA meeting. In the summer, she went around telling people that you know Craig Pouncey had problems, ethics problems coming, and then tried to claim that she never told anybody this in front of a, a, a committee hearing. Uh, they're run by Gerald Dial and Quentin Ross, and Gerald Dial said to her, 
I'm one of the people you told. What are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, who are you trying to fool here? I, this, that's how yeah. dumb this whole thing was. Oh, no, I got calls from the BCA summer meeting saying, Britt, you're not going to believe this. <laughs> They're planning a coup against Dr. Craig Pouncey, and it, it's got to just backfire. And, you know, it really, unfortunately, only backfired on the people trying to do the right thing. Mm -hmm. yeah. uh, you know, Craig Pouncey got hurt. Right. He, yep. The state did settle a lawsuit with him for $100,000. Mary Scott Hunter never admitted any wrongdoing. As Josh said, the state spent millions, they, or at least a million, defending them. Mm -hmm. Defending them. Mm -hmm. and, and, yeah, and, 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 and some very good people uh, that worked at yeah. the State Department of Education, uh, including an attorney there, uh, Michael Myers, yeah. uh, who, yeah. who did mm -hmm. an investigative work on this thing at, at the request of the guy in charge uh, and, yeah. and issued a report on it, an accurate report, uh, you know, was later retaliated against as well. Oh, and he was drugged through the mud. His name was drugged through the mud. Yeah. I remember sitting there where they were questioning him, and it was just the most mm -hmm. unbelievable circus I've ever seen. Well, the interesting thing is to me that we had Michael's sentence for a while, and now we have Eric Mackey. Mackey. Eric Mackey. We could have had Dr. Pouncey. Yeah. Go figure. Yeah, there you go. Well, it gives merit to Governor Ivey's wish that she could appoint the state school superintendent. Uh, one of the things we're waiting on, and I know we, we've been involved in this for nearly a decade, is we're waiting for uh, Governor Ivey's uh, study group on gambling policy to come forward, Josh. And we should be hearing from that sometime in the near future, I would think. Yeah, I, uh, I spoke with, uh, with Todd Strange, who uh, you know, chaired that group. And, uh, and he said that they hope to have something out before uh, the holidays uh, here. Uh, you know, and that, this was after COVID and all that. So uh, they, they had right. factored that in. So, uh, you know, which would have given, you know, uh, assuming we're still gonna have a session of some sorts, uh, would have given, you know, everybody a good opportunity to read whatever the report says heading into that session. So, uh, you know, hopefully that's still the case. I have not heard otherwise. And, uh, you know, I, I, I believe that I probably would have if they were going to be delayed significantly. So maybe in the next month or so here, we'll have something. Yeah, I think that's kind of what we're hearing on the yeah. ground is that it's, it's, it's soon, you know, probably before uh, Christmas, uh, definitely, I would think before New Year, to give people yeah. time to digest it. It's important. We have gambling in the state. It's just the state doesn't make any money off of it. No. I mean, yeah. approximately $750 million a year could be going into state coffers, whether to pay for education or health care, uh, mm -hmm. you know, these types of things or both. That's a lot of money that's being left on the table because people are against it, <clears throat> but also because people are greedy and wanting a monopoly. <clears throat> yeah, well, that and and you know the thing that, that that kills me about it is is an argument about well, we're, are you going to have gambling or not? Well, we already got gambling, you know. Yeah, like, we got the gambling. question is whether or not you're going to make any money off of gambling. All right, yeah, you already got exactly. it. Exactly, about as much as you're going to have it. And so uh, the, yeah. the the only question is whether or not you're going to benefit some way from the st at, at the state level right. here, tax wise. Right. And you look around right. some of these other states, and especially sports book states, they're they're raking it in right now. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, and we could use the money. Oh, heaven yes. Well, we're going to end out with uh, the Coach Tommy Tuberville is uh, U.S. Senator-elect, and I can oh, say Lord. that. 
<clears throat> without fear. Uh, well, I have fear, but uh, <laughs> I, I talked to some long-term deep sea folks this past week, and they, you know, they said that uh, Senator-elect Tuberville was up there, and, and <clears throat> one of them said that they thought the meeting they were in, they thought they were, uh, well, Goober came to mind, and so did Chauncey Gardner from being there, but they just said the guy has no idea what he's talking about. You got four seconds, Josh. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, he think I, I can I can sum it up. He he thinks that the three branches of government are the House, the Senate, and the executive. All right, well, there you go. <laughs> You've been I, watching. He said that on the record. He said that on the record. I, so I know. You've been watching the V, the voice of Alabama politics. You watch us because we watch them.